I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I do That's some bad hat, Andrew. It's a cool show. Good idea, man. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful day. From your life. Number out. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing, and just like that, season one. <laughs> to do that, we are joined by none other than best friend of the show, Paul Mitzi of the Swap pa- Swapcast podcast, who was on just two weeks ago to help me with an off-topic hot topic. How are you doing, Paul? Good, I'm back again. This is one of those ones where you really badgered us to like, you're going to review it and you're going to let me review it with you. So. Yes, and hopefully it'll be worth it. <laughs> hopefully it'll I be worth it. I already know it's going to be worth it. I'm so excited <laughs> for this conversation. Um, what's been happening with you, Paul? Yeah, we just reviewed an Australian film called The Heckler on our show, um, which was fucking terrible, but it was a, a Melbourne um, made film, so maybe oh, you guys sense, know right? everyone in it. So probably, <laughs> if I talk to Very Liam, possible. might have to get Liam on the podcast with you at some stage. We'll find out. That, I'll get him to listen to the episode of uh, Swapcast. He probably knows everybody in it, actually. Yeah, it was truly awful. Um, so uh, yeah, but the episode was good. So. I was going to say, did that make for a good episode of just like you guys shitting on it for an hour? Or yeah, I think the ones where we hate the films are always the best ones. It's either the ones where you hate the films or the ones where you're fighting about it. Either way, mm-hmm. everybody wins. <laughs> yeah, Damask, what's been happening with you? Oh, what has look not a not a lot, Brad. I'm really enjoying Australian Survivor. Um, there's a shit ton of Real Housewives out still. Um, I don't know. I go to work and I come home and I'm in bed by nine thirty. So. I've been creating a lot of new D&D characters just to waste my time, but that's about it. Well done. Fair enough. Thank I mean, you. I was thinking the other day I'm going to start mucking around with D&D characters for our upcoming campaign three because mm. we're like critical role now and we can number them. Um, and I'll, yeah, that'll be some fun. That is totally not very good for the podcast though. So let's get to our <laughs> spoiler-free review of, and just like that, season one. Let me clue you in. Season in review. And just like that, is an American comedy drama series for HBO Max that serves as a revival of the late 90s, early 2000s hit show Sex and the City, set 11 years after the events of the second Sex and the City movie, and just like that, finds Carrie, Miranda and Charlotte, but not Kim Cattrall's Samantha, still living in New York as they navigate the journey from the complicated reality of life and friendship in their 30s to the even more complicated reality of life and friendship in their 50s. That came off IMDb. I didn't write that bit. And just like that, season one was developed by Sex and the City creator Darren Starr and longtime co-writer Michael Patrick King and stars Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, Kristen Davis, Mario Cantone, David Eidenberg, Evan Handler, Sarah Ramirez, Sarita Chowdhury, Nicole Ari Parker, Karen Pittman and newly cancelled Chris Noth and the late, great Willie Garson in his final turn as the iconic Stanford. And just like that, 
season one consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 38 minutes and took us approximately six hours and 15 minutes to watch. I don't think there has been official news on whether there's going to be a season two at this stage. Um, at least I went looking for it. Yeah, they've kind of teased it, but um, there's been conflicting reports. Some people are saying because of the uh, reception of this one, it might not happen. <laughs> But, but the ratings were like amazing. That's so. what I was gonna say. If it, ultimately, if the ratings were good, and they all they have to do right between season one and two is have a big enough break to sell it that season two is maybe going to be, you know, different. different to season one. If that makes sense. Uh, so before we get to our spoiler-free review of and just like that, I want to know you guys how familiar you are with Sex in the City. Were you looking forward to this revival of Sex in the City? Um, yeah, your background with this show before you started watching it. Starting with Paul. Uh, so I was a teenager when the show came out. So I remember watching this like in my little 34 centimeter TV in my bedroom without my parents knowing because <laughs> they wouldn't have allowed me to watch the show. Um, and it was a bit eye opening at the time, definitely. Um, but I have to say, like, I watched it when I could, but I didn't watch every episode. And then when the first movie came out, I decided to start from the beginning and I watched the entire thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I watched it from beginning to end. And by the end, I kind of came out of that binge watch as a bit of a fan. I really loved how the original series ended, the way the all the characters ended up. It was like the perfect ending for all these characters. Loved it, cried. Mm. And then I watched the first movie and it, really backstepped a lot of the choices that were made mm. in the finale. And I really resented it for that. Um, and then the second movie came <laughs> out, which, you know, we all watched together in our movie club and uh, it's, it's an awful movie, but it's a fun, no, a, that, awful that, 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 movie there was to no, watch. There was no but needed. There was no <laughs> but needed. Look, I, I still, like, it's so ridiculous and stupid and offensive that I can't help but enjoy watching it. And I'd probably, if it, if I'm ever, for some reason, watching free-to-air TV, which would never happen, and it came on, I would probably just continue to watch it because it's a very easy thing to watch, Your even official- though it goes for three hours. <laughs> Your official rating backs it up. I've got them in front of me. You gave it from a quality point of view a 1.5 out of 5 and from an enjoyment point of view a 3.5 out of 5. That's so perfect. I, I stand by that. I actually got the stats that on right. that one. Yeah. Um, so when this new series came out, I was like cautiously optimistic. Like I was looking forward to it. So um, mm. that's my view on the franchise. Gotcha. Damask. Yeah, so I didn't watch it when it was coming out on TV. I was too young and there's just no way my parents were going to let me watch it. I mean, they wouldn't let me watch Charmed, for goodness sake. There's no way I'm going to be <laughs> to watch there were Samantha being raw-dogged while her tits are <laughs> bouncing around. Um, however, this would be like, I don't know, a year or two after high school, one of my friends had like the box set. So I borrowed that and watched it, binged it and really enjoyed it, really, really enjoyed the entire series. Um, and I have probably watched the entire series through, I don't know, four or five times. Um, in, I did another full binge recently uh, in, in the last year. I, I watched all of it again. The first movie came out and I thought it was fine. I mean, I agree with Paul's summary that, yeah, it did – take a couple of steps backwards wasn't as good as the show at all but it was fine and then the second movie came out and I was like 
geez, the first film is a masterpiece compared to this. <laughs> it just see, it's just they had nothing to do, um, and so because of that, I wasn't looking forward to and just like that. Particularly considering the the character of Samantha wasn't going to be in it, didn't really make sense to me to bring it back at all. I thought we'd. I thought we'd put it to bed, but <laughs> apparently we never will. <laughs> uh, I fair to say, I'm not a fan of Sex in the City. Not to say I couldn't be. I just I was ten years old when the show arrived, and I think it's you know it makes sense that I wasn't the target audience. <laughs> um, I have definitely seen an episode here or there. It was one of those shows that existed. There must have been something about like shows that run around that 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. mark that I got to see mm. them. Scrubs was on that on free to air TV here. Mm. Futurama, Sex in the City would often be on that late as well. And so, like, when you're just looking for something to do because you don't want to go to bed, you'll watch an episode here or there. I think I've seen like Samantha's Sex Swing episode or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, a bunch of bits here and there. But, um, yeah, nothing recently, that's for sure. For sure. And for some reason, and I will never understand why. I was forced to watch Sex and the City 2, the movie. Um, <laughs> Yo, I resent welcome. You, I resent you all for that. Um, but yeah, certainly not coming into this with any sort of anticipation. The only reason we have is, well, there's only 10 episodes. They only run for about 30 minutes each and you guys really want to do it. So that's why we're here, I guess. <laughs> yep. So with all that in mind, Paul, would you like to give us your spoiler-free review of, and just like that, Season one. Sure. So, when they announced, and just like that, the sequel series to Sex and the City, I was quite bullish about reviewing it on Hunting Seasons. (laughs) When every week of its release, an onslaught of opinion pieces and hot takes were spread across the internet, I doubled down on my insistence that Hunting Seasons had to cover this show. Amen. This year, a new live-action Star Wars series was released that retconned the backstory of a beloved character and also sucked, and the internet reaction to that didn't come near to the pure vitriol that was heaped upon the show about three women dealing with life and loss in their 50s. And now that I'm here ready to review this thing, I have to admit, I kind of don't know where I come down on it. You don't? This show Actually, is a you're mess. Paul, I'm not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> this show is a mess, yet I can't say I found watching it unpleasant. I never was upset watching it. In fact, during the run of the season, it actually became appointment viewing. A little half hour <laughs> bit of fluff that I could enjoy and then spend hours reading people tear it apart afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. A lot of the problems with the show can't be discussed without spoilers, but I think the show's major failings are all centred around the new characters that were obviously introduced to increase the diversity on what was previously a very white show. And while this is not necessarily a bad thing, the new characters are simply not given enough screen time or substance to justify their inclusion and just come off as tokenism. The show cannot really be seen as its own entity. It is essentially a new season of Sex and the City. And while I think the city is still fairly represented in this, the show is fairly sexless for a major part of its run. Um, And it's not until the later half that it truly starts to feel a little bit like its older self. Losing Kim Cattrall's Samantha is not an insignificant part of that. But unlike a lot of others, I don't think her absence completely negates the need for this return. 
I found watching this that I did Needs still... an interesting word to use. <laughs> I, 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 I found that I did still have um, some affection for these characters and I did appreciate seeing them and women of this age and their stories being shown on screen. I think there is massive opportunities for something meaningful here. And with the right lessons learned from season one, season two could actually be something special, but season one just didn't quite get to that mark. Yeah, Demast. it just missed that mark, didn't it, Paul? <laughs> just missed it. <laughs> here we go, here we go. Damask Leary, would you like to give your review next, please? Absolutely. So, as I mentioned previously, I you know was a fan of the show. It was... Super the uh, the original show Sex and City it was super hetero which was not my vibe uh, but I didn't mind that it was a fantasy with splashes of realism that were heartfelt and endearing now the fantasy for me was never about the fashion I really could care less about that you know carries twenty thousand dollars shoes I don't care at all instead the fantasy for me revolved around you know being young in control of your life going out on adventures with your friends or potential love interests it was a series about hope and possibilities and of course the natural heartbreaks that come with all of that the friendship dynamic brought me back for each episode even carrie who is renowned for being intolerable was in many ways relatable particularly because of all of her terrible decisions. And as I got older, I saw myself more and more in that character that I I initially hated. Maybe I'm just not growing and regressing. Who knows? Anyway, um, yeah, so the original show certainly had its issues that haven't dated well. Uh, I remember even only a few years after the series finished was when I was watching, there were episodes about bisexuality and trans sex workers that shocked me with how out of step and offensive they were. The show was about incredibly privileged white women created by privileged white gay men. Um, You know, layers and layers of, oh boy. Uh, So because of that, I was skeptical about and just like that, particularly considering the atrocity of Sex and the City 2, which we've spoken about briefly, (laughs) and I think that's as much as we need to speak about it. The film was tone deaf and seemingly without purpose. But I did give the new show a shot. Like, I do genuinely care about these characters. Um, And I want to know if, you know, simply the film versions of them didn't work, but perhaps a series, in a series, they would again. Oh, oh, God. Okay. So these women who I had great affection for have seemingly been kept in a cryo chamber for the last 15 years. For people who live in New York, they each make a friend with a person of colour for the first time ever in their lives. Um, And they walk into these people's lives as if desperately trying not to say the words, oh, I voted for Barack Obama. You know, just trying to make those words not fall out of their mouth. Look, I get that they're older, but these women weren't and shouldn't be idiots. And also they live in New York. It just did, it was a bizarre choice to me how they had decided to diversify the cast in a moment of, oh, hello, new friend. I can't wait to introduce you or be introduced to other people of colour or go to a, a strange cultural, different cultural party or th- things like that that just blew my mind. If they had written either from a... 
if they had written these new relationships as pre-existing, as they had already known these women, they were a part of the fabric of their lives, I think it would have landed a lot, a lot better. I think this show has replaced its wild explorations of relationships and sex with explorations of quote-unquote woke culture. And that's not my word. That word feels splashed on the show itself. Yeah, I, I just feel like each episode is written either from a place of embarrassing ignorance or talking down to the audience or from the perspective of someone who actively hated the original show and is hell-bent on betraying every character. <laughs> The show no longer feels genuine to me, um, you know, when it tries to establish itself as anti-racist without really doing the work. It's, you know, it's anti-racism cover art. You know, you look any deeper than that and you see a show in which all of its, you know, people of colour characters are there to serve and educate both the characters and the audience. They're not able to breathe properly because every white character walks into the room begging to be taught. It's a perpetual after-school special pretending that it isn't. Oh, yeah, I I was frustrated by it. And maybe there are women in that age group um, or audience members in that age group that need to learn these lessons. But for a show that once felt like it was on the cutting edge or the step ahead in a lot of ways, felt so regressive and just really out of place for 2022. There are a few brief moments of the show keeping what was great about its predecessor while being relevant to the age and life stage of the women. And that's the moments when the friends lean on one another in crisis. I will always love dramatic scenes between Cynthia Nixon and Sarah Jessica Parker. They are phenomenal. And when these characters are allowed to stretch their emotions in real and nuanced ways, the show feels alive again. Thank God. Unfortunately, there are far too many moments of character sabotage, awkward attempts at humour that feel very 1998, and useless plot points to make this show anything other than a trash fire that is borderline unwatchable. Now, I did tune in every week for the exact reason that Paul stated. (laughs) I could watch it, then jump on Twitter and be like, yeah, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this. (laughs) Um, So it has its perks in a way, but this was really bad TV. All right, then. In the immortal words of Damask Leary, oh boy, your oh boy, your oh boy, your oh boy. <laughs> I think a big clue to how I was feeling about the show was as the season went on, I had less like insight notes I was taking and more just dera- deranged, deranged side notes. As I've already said, I was not a watcher of the original and certainly not a fan of Sex and the City. So I already consider myself an outsider and that puts me in a weird sort of position with this show. And I want everyone to understand that too. I don't not a fan of these characters. I don't really know where they've been before. I only have sort of perceptions that come from having seen splatterings and one terrible movie. But from my perspective, looking from the outside in, the problem with this show is in a lot of ways, the problem I've always perceived the original show to have. These are, as you said, Damask, rich, privileged white women who have no real problems in their lives. Their awakenings and woke moments are adventures for their absolutely perfect fucking lives. And it feels pandering and insulting whenever these storylines come up. I think this show thinks it's being clever or insightful or profound. And instead of that, it's really just kind of weird. I can't figure out if we're meant to be laughing at these characters, maybe, and how sort of ignorant they are. Or am I meant to be booing them? Are they villains? Or am I meant to be identifying with them? Whatever it is, it didn't come across. (laughs) And even with all these attempts to update and evolve... 
the whole thing just still feels super outdated, like it's still from 1998, as you said, Damask. For the most part, I didn't actually hate Carrie's story this season. I thought there was an emotional truth to it that was also appropriate for her age and where she was in her life that was well handled for the most part. Not every aspect, but for the most part, I actually thought that storyline was solid. Um, Charlotte is so vanilla as to be barely a part of this show and the bits that (laughs) do stand out are all for the wrong reasons. Miranda, I thought from watching the, the movie, the second movie, was like the character that maybe had some sense of like... Uh, sanity to them. She was, Brad. She was. <laughs> she drove me fucking crazy this season. Mm. She's the worst. After being the only character I thought I could tolerate, at one point, a new intri- integral character in this story says that Miranda is fun. She is the absolute opposite of fun. <laughs> She's a fucking nightmare in this show. <laughs> I don't really have the passion or the energy to be angry with this show, though, although it's fun to sort of to play that up, um, even though I do think it's mostly garbage. But it's fair to say that even now, as a 33-year-old, left-leaning adult, uh, interested in politics and issues of sexuality and gender, I just feel as, I feel just as distant from this show as I did when I was 10 years old watching Sex and the City. Somewhat for the same reasons, others for completely new reasons. Am I the target audience? Absolutely not. But then I have to wonder... Who is and why was this show made for them? Um, Paul, how would you rate this show out of five stars? Five stars from Paul. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very hard one because I'd love to be able to give it like the two scores like I did for the movie. Yeah. It's like quality and enjoyment because I have to say like if I was to do it in enjoyment, I would give it like a three and a half. But. I feel bad because there is so many glaring... Like, Damas was very eloquent in what she said, and I agree with a lot of what she said, but I still enjoyed the show. So, <laughs> I'm going to give it three. Three? Oh, my God! <laughs> I was legitimately shocked. Three in our, in our like, rankings being decent. Let me tell you, this show ain't decent. Damas, what are you giving it? Oh, God. Um, I'm giving it a really firm, an absolute one out of five. <laughs> one out of five. And that one is for, yes, Carrie's storyline. There are lots of bits in that that I enjoyed. Also for some scenes between Carrie and uh, Miranda. And also for some text messages that had the best writing and it was glaringly <laughs> obvious that something was missing in this show. I will say, actually, I was surprised by how much that character you're talking about, their voice mm. came through in those text messages. I was like, that is actually... she's iconic. You hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to give, and just like that, season one, a 1.5 out of five. Somewhere between inferior and outright fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree, the carry stuff wasn't too bad. And that is a big drive through this season, so it makes up a big chunk of it. Um, but most of what's around it is fucking awful. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And just like that, we're going to dive into spoilers, but we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or both. Whatever you want to do, guys. Nothing helps a show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words on Apple Podcasts our way. I hope everyone's enjoying that joke. That I personally <laughs> find it hilarious. Excellent. The excellent. ellipses, great joke. <laughs> and to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. How are you going with your review uh, goal there at the Swapcast Podcast, Paul? Are you going to be watching Face Off anytime soon? Or? <sighs> Fuck no. We've, we've been stuck at like 61 for so fucking long. I hate 61. our listeners. They can all <laughs> fuck themselves. <laughs> We'd also love you to share hunting seasons with friends, family, strangers on the street who you think might also enjoy listening. Whatever your, you know, tokenistic friends of colour are, let them yeah. know about it as well. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with our review of Peacemaker Season 1. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Peacemaker, if you have any thoughts on, and just like that, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for, and just like that, season one. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. How does it feel, Paul, to just be here to defend the show uh, from the likes of Damask and I once again? <laughs> I don't know. Is it defending, like, it's not like it's a show that I love to the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Like it just sounds like you weren't one. mad at it, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Um, uh, yeah. If we do upload season two, I'm sure that would be a different story. <laughs> you're already you're already committed to liking that show. Yes. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, where we'd like to start, guys? Anything in particular that's like well, you're just I ready to talk about? I think probably the most controversial part of this whole season was the inclusion of Che Diaz and the breakdown of um, Miranda and Steve's marriage. Mm, sure. That seems to have gotten everyone the angriest yeah. and, you know, kind of brought up to people hate this character because um, they are non-binary or is it the fact that they have destroyed this marriage or is it the fact that the show didn't handle it that well? And didn't that one. Write that it one. Right? That one. Yeah, that I one. think it's it's the handling because the way the show writes the character of Che made me think, oh, this person is like a narcissist or like, I don't know, a sociopath. And mm-hmm. then that wasn't the reveal. I'm like, wait, I was actually meant to be finding them charismatic and yeah. an appropriate reason for Miranda to leave her marriage was I was just genuinely shocked. I was I didn't understand what the show was doing. 
Yeah, I don't the, show, think they un- the show didn't understand what it was doing. It was like, because I think on paper, that idea of you've been in a marriage for 20 years or whatever it is, you know. On paper, I get it. Star- it's great. like, I can totally see it and even see Miranda being the right character from that group <laughs> to be the one that maybe is yeah. grappling with her sexual identity and those sorts of things in a different way. I can totally see that. Mm. It And it's not even that I didn't necessarily dislike Shay. I, th- I found Shay to be quite... I could sort of see the appeal. They were very charismatic in a lot of ways. Um, there was something that would be attractive to a person there for sure. Especially, yeah, someone who maybe didn't even realize they've been grappling with their own sexuality or sexual identity their entire life or whatever it might be. It's just that the way it actually happened, it all comes down, for me, it all comes down to Miranda. And like mm. her, she just. There was nothing about that made me feel like this was authentic. Like there is, I don't know. It felt like the whole time the show was building up to Miranda is going to turn around and realize this isn't actually what she wants. She's blown up her life or something like that. Like when you're mm. saying you thought that Shay was the villain, right? Because of the way they seemed like they were coming across as a narcissist or an egomaniac or something like that. Because it just felt like Miranda was making bad choices over and over and over again, mm. or really like ignorant and naive choices. Yeah, and she every I- time she was just the most ignorant, naive person in the room constantly and to the point where it was really irritating to be around her at all i just found her fucking frustrating yeah Yeah. i was shocked at the end when they like were we supposed to feel happy that miranda decided not to take the internship where she was going to be helping needy people but that again to go see their stand-up show like it just didn't make any sense what what i need to say before sorry i left it was just that that, like the part of like her is it steve is that yeah her her marriage with Steve, we need to see a little bit more than like what she says. Like, oh, we just have this ritual that's dessert now. We don't have any sex anymore. Like, let's see a little bit more of how frustrated she is with that. Or let's see where, why she'd give up her career and all this. Because she seems so motivated. At the start of the mm. season, she's going to uni. She has this great relationship that she's... I'm sorry. She has a weird relationship with her fucking professor that's sort of very, very strangely done throughout. Where, mm-hmm. exactly as you said, her professor ends up being just you know, friend, diverse friend who teaches her about how to actually talk to people who aren't fucking white women. And like that whole process just seems gross to me. Yeah. Before we jump off the chain Miranda situation, the marriage breakdown and into her making a new friend. I just want to say like, what's the most confusing thing about where Miranda goes this season is so much of the original show was about exploring love and that if you fall in love but but you lose yourself, it's not a good thing. And this show leaves me – I I was left being like, are they trying to say that it's a good thing? Like there were all Mm. these flashing warning signs of being like – oh, no, Miranda's making all these mistakes that, you know, she is persecuted, particularly Carrie for making in the past. Now she's making them. And the show isn't really showing any consequences of that. Like I, you know, on paper I love the story of, yeah, Miranda being in a marriage that um, is stale and isn't fulfilling anymore. That's really interesting. You're absolutely right, Brod. But we need to see that and what that looks like and what that feels like for her. Um, but then for her to, you know, be attracted to someone else, take that step to cheat on her partner with this person, and then to seemingly have no remorse or guilt about it was a bizarre choice. Yeah, and it 
a lot of, you know, them telling us that the marriage had gone stale yes. was a lot of shorthand yep. and like very lazy shorthand. Like, ah, oh, couples that watch TV shows together, they are boring and they don't have sex with each other. It's like, well, no, actually, if you live in the real world, that's something everyone does. So mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. And um, like they just didn't put any work in trying to make it seem like they were trying to make it work. Like she said, oh, we've tried it all before. We went to therapy or whatever, but we never saw that. Mm -hmm. So we never experienced how much she tried. So it just looked like, you know, he awkwardly tried to finger her once and it didn't work. And that's enough. That's enough proof that we are beyond any help. It's like, well, not really. Yeah, it was because when they actually, Miranda approached Steve about the divorce, I actually quite liked that scene in a lot of ways because it's like, the first time really got to have Steve's input into this whatsoever. Really understand his feelings. Mm. Now, he was okay with the way things were and all that sort of stuff. It's like, cool, because you've done this a little bit earlier. Show that conflict, that that friction between these two that Miranda does want more and that... Because it otherwise just seems like it came out of nowhere and then she steamrolls into this other thing. It's like, you're blowing your whole fucking life up. And, I, and that's a bit where I don't know if... I don't know if the show knows... Whether mm, in season yeah. two, this was going to go off the rails for Miranda and that's what we're leading to. Or if we're left here, if they're happy for this to be Miranda's ultimate fate, I don't fucking know because it didn't give me enough of either side to understand its perspective. All I've got is, as you said, Paul, Miranda saying that she's not happy and then that she is happy now. But so often in those conversations, she seems, I don't know what a good word for it is. Uh, not in, almost like intoxicated by the situation mm. rather than it didn't feel sincere. It didn't feel real. It didn't feel deep. Mm-hmm. It felt I understood the excitement, yeah. but the excitement is not enough to be. It felt like we were building for a fall because you're right. She yeah. seemed in, you know intoxicated by this new thing. She'd given up drinking because now she had this new addiction and I assumed she was going to learn something from that, but that's not where the show takes us at all. And so, yeah, I wasn't sure if the show well, knew that it, they were making it me feel that way. It seemed like the show was going out of its way to f- to make it feel unpleasant and off-putting. Like the first time uh, Che and Miranda you yeah. know, have sex, mm. it, it it ends up with um, Sarah, uh, sorry, Carrie pissing herself in the bed. A hundred percent, Helpless. Right? She can't yeah. move. She's like and she needed her friend and got completely like shafted and like are we supposed to feel good about that in any yeah. way a hundred percent did you how do you feel about the whole Miranda's secret drinking or hated alcoholism it. whatever you want what what was weird about it well I you know, it's a little thing I did like about it. I like this idea her explanation of like how it started like they do mention the pandemic a few times and this is a post-pandemic world where apparently no one's dying of COVID anymore. I look forward to living in that world. Um, <laughs> but that whole idea was like, you know, we're all stuck at home. We're all drinking more than we should. And it just sort of kept going. I was like, that actually makes sense to me. Kind of wish you did more of it, more with that than just tell me she's an alcoholic and then she stopped. <laughs> like <laughs> mm. what, what was the point beyond that? It, it That's like felt- so many of these storylines though. It's, yes. it's like it's all surface and like okay we can let that go now. Well the yeah, show like strange. the show does like time jumps of several yeah. months mm-hmm. um which felt very strange to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I felt the whole of, knee fit was it knee or 
was her, her, her back, hips? was it? Hips. Hip, it was yeah. hip. The whole hip thing was Carrie was like, and now she was stuck in her house for three months and we'll get past that because that's not something we're interested in, but it moves us forward so this can be a whole year, which is what we want the storyline to be. We want it to be a year since Big died. Um, I was like, that's convenient that we and just it- moved on. <laughs> <laughs> and it speeds through what I thought was going to be an interesting storyline, which was that she got this sexy, like, uh, personal guy, <laughs> a trainer guy, like, helping her fix her hip. Yeah, I, I thought-, thought that was going to be yeah. something. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, her getting with, like, a younger guy and, like, using that to get over Big's death. I thought, okay, this is where the story's going. And then it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about Miranda? For me, she was that whole storyline was emblematic of where the show was at its weakest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's the problem is because it felt so shallow. Even though is dealing with this idea of like yeah, sexual identity or gender identity, all these things that probably have never been a part of Sex in the City, as far as I'm aware. Um, I it didn't have anything profound to say. We just watched. Well, yeah, Samantha did briefly date a woman on the show, right? Um, which Miranda criticized in a very cruel way. Um, but there's no... That's the thing. Is like I feel like the people writing the show haven't watched the show. At really? all. Really? Like, it's the exact same fucking people. <laughs> they do have some new writers on it. But yeah, it, it really feels like they haven't watched the show. Because wow. they, they mention things. I'm like, well, that doesn't add up with something I've seen before. Like, well, I the character would make a different, very obvious different choice here that I think we can all agree that they would. But, and it's just like, no. This is this is direction we're going, even though it makes very little sense. Do you think it could be because um, Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, and Kristen Davis were executive producers this time around, so they had direct um, input on the direction of the characters and the scripts? Yeah, and maybe, possibly. And maybe this is where they saw the characters going, and this is the stuff they wanted to explore. I could definitely see Cynthia Nixon. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, she's a queer woman. She probably fought heavily for this kind of uh, I read an article line. today of her def- like defending people who were saying they didn't think this was very Miranda of her or didn't think this was true to the character of Miranda that they knew and her defending mm-hmm. that and saying this was to her this made a lot of sense she was always very opinionated would always be you know all in bull in a china shop t- type of thing I think was the words she used and that this was very brave of her she thought this was very brave I'm not necessarily necessarily saying she's wrong about what she's doing is brave it's execution but, though but like bravery mm. and stupidity are a very fine li- on a very <laughs> either side of a very fine line sometimes and the execution did not make me think that she's making a brave choice here it was like what the fuck is wrong with you what yeah it felt like I she don't was understand you. making a a misinformed yeah. choice or an ill-formed choice like it just yeah because so many things either that she said or did throughout the entire show came across as ignorant and ill-informed and like she was just it was she was she discovered this new world and it was so exciting to her that she wanted to be a part of it in a way that like you're talking about everyone wants to say I voted for Obama it's like that's the that that first scene where she walks into her uh, first episode where she walks into the classroom and has that whole thing about talking about the professor's hair and this awkward conversation. I was like, this informs me about Miranda is and she's a fucking pain in the ass. And that's that coloured everything else she did the entire it's show. Like, <laughs> as if Miranda, firstly, she definitely listens to her podcast, but would be reading like, you know, um, fuck, what's that magazine? The new, Like the New Yorker and like think pieces. Yeah. And like that's, Miranda is like a pretty well-informed person, a very highly intelligent person, as if she hasn't read one article 
about anti-racism or BLM or like, yeah, being privileged and all, as if she fucking hasn't. Where has she been? What has she been so doing? This is the part where the show to me, I, I think I know what the show is trying to do. And it's like this idea of like, she does have this white, sa- well, I thought I did. She's got this white savior complex or she thinks she's woke and all these sorts of things. But really, you know, she's mm. one of those quote unquote white feminists and we should criticize that. Except every time she does something wrong, ultimately she gets excused for it and she yeah, learns true. from it and then makes a new friend. And like, and I was like, this, this is, can we actually properly criticize this rather and have some consequences other than just a couple of awkward scenes and now they're best fucking friends? Like, it just seemed like, and this is what I was like, is this show making fun of women like this or is it trying to like, uh, be about women like this. Are, are, are women of this age group meant to identify with Miranda in this scene? Mm. And both like, options are like, if it's not criticism, I think that option is gross. I couldn't understand why her professor would want to be friends with Miranda. Like that just made no sense to me. She got badgered into it as far as I saw. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carrie's new friend, that makes a lot of sense to me. She's, been through this terrible traumatic event. She's met someone new and like, you know, she isn't always going to have to talk about that loss. It's, it's something new and fresh and exciting for her. And that made a bit more sense to me. The Charlotte stuff and her new friend was just incredibly dull and boring. I, and that dinner party thing mm, is disgusting. I was grinding the, my teeth. I was so going around fucking angry. To the, just black people in her proximity oh, inviting man. them to a oh. dinner party so it looks like she has black friends is out of this world <laughs> insane to do and so offensive. And it's just like blown over. And then she goes to her new friend's house and, you know, there it's a party full of black people. And they just laugh like, ha, ha, ha. I guess we all need to diversify our friendship groups. Not the same thing at all. <laughs> Just, Fucking oh my God. Amen. I hated everything about that. Again, so it was bad. like there was no, there was no comeuppance. There was no like, this is a learning moment for Charlotte about how. It was like, oh, while, Charlotte. Well, you, you're <laughs> ignorant and maybe you have good intentions. You need to understand that this is fucked up what you were doing. No. We're all just the fucking same. Ha, 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 ha. I move on and like, fuck you, show. <laughs> fuck you so hard. I hated that. Yeah, How'd you I, give this a three, Paul? <laughs> Look, I agree. I didn't like that storyline. But I have to say, with, <laughs> with Charlotte, I have to say, I didn't hate the stuff about her and Rock. I her. didn't either, actually. I thought that I was thought, relatively well handled. I thought that the way it handled that made sense to the character. I could understand. like, Unlike Miranda and her racism issues... I could definitely understand Charlotte having mm. a very specific idea of having a daughter and expecting yeah. what her daughter would turn out like. Mm-hmm. And then when her daughter doesn't turn out to be a daughter, it turns out to be something more fluid and gender diverse and her having to learn and grow and actually accept it. And even when she doesn't accept it, she's not coming at it a cruel way. She just wants to understand and mm. um and I thought it was actually a really, and I think it's a storyline that would actually be pretty beneficial for the target audience of this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I oh, wish yeah. all the other kind of woke storylines 
could have been handled the way that one was. I, yeah. I agree. I'll, I'll 100% agree with that. I just like, I don't care about kids, Charlotte. <laughs> I totally, but I'm just like, nah, kids, get him out of the show. I, I agree like 90% with that, especially from the, the way that the Charlotte's like storyline was handled. Yes. I kind of wish Rock was a little bit more of a character where I under, like just got to spend more time with Rock, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because again, the problem becomes all these diverse characters they're including seem very tokenistic because they're there to teach our white protagonist a fucking lesson again. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like every part of it is that. They don't give depth or personality or or real growth to these other characters. Mm-hmm. The only ones who get to grow are the white women who mm. learn something this week. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Broad. And But it's it's also really hard thinking of that. And I and I want that show that you're talking about as well. And thinking about Sex in the City, though, like that's what Sex in the City was. They would encounter True. people who would teach them lessons. Um, this this time around, though, it's you know people of color or like gender fluid people or gender diverse people um, to do that, which feels icky. But it's within the fabric of the show, and yeah, I'd. That's why I just don't think this this show should be made in 2022. I don't think it's um, particularly relevant anymore. Um, let's talk about the carry of it all. Mm-hmm. How did we feel about Big's death? I certainly, after finding out more about Chris Noth, feel super happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but did we think that was... How do we feel about just that idea? Like, I don't know enough about the original storyline and the original show about the story of Carrie, Carrie and Big and how they got together and them getting married. It, oh, the one bit I did see was in the movie and that was a... Maybe interesting is not the right word. There was like a complex <laughs> relationship here, but they seem to generally be good together as a couple. Um, and now he's gone which does start a, a storyline i think is really good for carrie but did we were we happy about that for the character of big were we happy do we do we accept that storyline i guess i think look, people were pretty angry about it first look big is a toxic person like mm. he's the character of big was always a toxic person and they always had a toxic relationship and he okay. treated her like shit and okay. it was a fucking bullshit that she ended up with him at the end because it just really sh- said made the thesis of the show in terms of that relationship is that money is more important than anything else. And Mm -hmm. she had the status of being with this rich guy. And that was like the ultimate end goal for a Manhattan socialite. Um, So I was not upset that he died. I did think it kind of forced the show to have a bit of a somber tone to begin with. And I'm like, you know, Sex and the City was always a pretty lighthearted show to watch. It had moments of seriousness, especially towards the end of the the series run. But um, it was a it is a strange place to start what is essentially a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I can't help but think I wish the show had taken place two years in the future. So these women already have a diversified friendship group. Carrie, while obviously still Mrs. Big, has moved past the grief um, and is and is ready to start a new chapter in her life. Because I think, you know, yeah, the original series ended with 
Carrie getting her fantasy. Then she was the fantasy she was always chasing and eluded her because Big had other intentions, other priorities. She was never the number one priority, all this other stuff. She got finally got her fantasy, which is, you know, a dream ending for probably, you know, a large portion of the viewership of that original show. Um, but, you know, as you get older, you can see through things a little clearer. So I think that would have been really interesting to explore. She's had her fantasy. She lived in the reality of that. Big's gone now and perhaps she could delve into what that was really like, the lessons she learned and who she is now as a fully formed adult. Uh, yeah, it's hard to comment too much on those things because I didn't know that relationship beforehand. Um, for me, because for me, the storyline of like, uh, yeah, it just seemed very like appropriate of where she was in her life mm. to like, and to, it was interesting as well, I guess, to have this forced end of that relationship with Big versus Miranda choosing to blow up her marriage as well. And there was a certain like um, balance there that I liked. And generally, I thought like there were very relatable moments. The bit where she was angry at Big when she found out that he had bequeathed a million dollars to his ex-wife or whatever it was. Mm. What I thought was like really understandable and that frustration of like being heartbroken and devastated by his death and now having to be angry at him because there's secrets she didn't know about and all that sort of stuff. I was like, this is actually kind of good and I'm kind of like, I'm feeling there's a real emotional honesty and truth to what's going on here. I know a lot of people talked about how Carrie didn't perform CPR or call a fucking ambulance. (laughs) And that did I, frustrate me. I, I, yeah. I saw those comments before I watched the episode, and I was like, "It can't be that bad." It was that was what the mm. fuck? He was fucking alive still. Do you not understand? Yeah. Like you could have saved him one hundred percent. She yeah. just sat there and let him die in her arms. He was still breathing when the yeah. camera cut away. I know. Like, well, that's fuck? another thing. Was like, I'm not sure the show knows how its story is being portrayed. Because when she walked in, because as soon as like Carrie left and Big, you know said those nice things to her. I was like, oh, he's dying. He's going to die. And then she came back and he was like sitting in the shower or whatever. And I was like, oh, he's dead. He's already died. Yeah. And then he opened his eyes and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's alive. (laughs) Okay. Oh, okay. So maybe she's going to help him through his recovery or whatever. And then she went over and she's just like big, big. And I was like, it's weird. She's not really doing (laughs) anything that's useful, like call an ambulance. Um, (laughs) And then it cut away. I was like. So he is alive? Or, like I didn't I didn't know until the next episode. I was like, oh okay, he's dead. Okay, great. Like the the clarity around their storytelling is murky at best. I just kept thinking about what he's thinking. He's looking at fucking dead in the eye and he's like, call a fucking ambulance. What are you doing? Why why aren't you calling an ambulance? This is useless. Um also I didn't particularly like the resolution of like this ongoing story of like, what are you going to do with Big's ashes? It was sort of like put aside uh, early on the season. At the end, she's like got to deal with it because it's a year later. And it's resolved with a dream. I was like, well, that's kind of shit. She didn't have to do anything. She just had a dream and knew what she was going to... Like, she didn't have to make a choice. She didn't have to to come to this conclusion. It just appeared to her. I was like, ugh, mm-hmm. yuck. What a waste of time that was. I know well, I'm taking us. So I know we're taking us back to Miranda, but the fact that Miranda was like, oh, no, sorry, I can't help you spread your husband's ashes because I'm going to go hang out with my new partner. I was like, what? Well, I've known for all of about three months. Yeah. <laughs> they went to every extent to make us hate the fact that they were together. Yes. It is crazy. Yes. Yeah. yes. It is crazy. Yes. 
Um, You're going to say something there, Paul. That uh, I was going to say, at least, yeah, at least we're, we were spared. Uh, Chris North was originally in that. Like, we yeah. were supposed to yeah. actually see him in that dream sequence and they cut it out. So. Quick edit. Quick edit. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot more I wanted to say about Carrie, I don't think, actually. It was solid for the most part. Did you have any highlights or lowlights about that story? Elements that worked for you or didn't work for you? I really en- I did enjoy that story. I just think Sarah Jessica Parker is a phenomenal actress. Like I I fucking love her. Um and as I you know, as I get older and I rewatch Sex and the City, she's just great. So the more that she has to do, I'm always gonna be hmm. happy. Um Yeah, it's incredibly sad, but I didn't mind the somber tone. I mean, mm. particularly because, you know, we don't really have Samantha anymore who was like that, you know, mm-hmm. that one liner coming at you all the time. I was okay to like take a beat, take a moment, um, you know, get to know these characters again at a different stage. And yeah, that stage is really sad. That was fine for me. I was just annoyed that we had so many other distractions, I suppose. Did, did you were just talking about the, like the Samantha one liners mm. that were missing. They did try and keep that up. Like they'd have their little dinners of three or four with a guest, you know, a selection of different people who would be the Samantha of that episode or whatever. Did that still work for you guys? Because I found it awfully written most of the time. The the tete-a-tete around those sit-down drinks and dinners was Oh, it's always awful. been like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's just how they talk to each other. But yeah. Samantha would always have the best line. Right. So mm-hmm. you'd have like Carrie who would always make like super lame, corny jokes. And then you'd have Samantha who would come with something actually funny. How did we feel about Carrie taking up our profession? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of questions about this podcast that's definitely not a radio show like yeah. why are people calling in and i said the exact thing like they're having live calls i know there are shows where people call in that are like pre that's why i was like i guess they pre-record it and well, then release it but it felt would, like a radio it felt like someone who had no idea what a podcast is and just wrote yes, it like a radio show absolutely because mm-hmm. i was like it's a, there was a bit where they were like she mentioned samantha by name she wasn't sure if she should be and i was like call them and tell them to bleep her fucking name like you can edit That's that out. That's what I said. I was like, production. It's not. It can't be a live podcast, and they can very easily. I said the exact same thing to Andrew. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this storyline? <laughs> so stupid. Also, when Che is going off to do their pilot or whatever, and like, oh, I won't be back for it. So I'm ending the podcast two months. Like, do it remotely. Yeah. The three of us are currently thousands of kilometers apart in three different states on a continent that is similar in size to the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure you could just fucking call in yeah. if you wanted to. And you can just have like, I don't know, like we've done guest hosts for like exactly. two months in case your pilot doesn't get picked up. Yeah. But then like everyone else has to lose their job because Jay, yes. Cause Jay, Jay is, a, is a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we're all in agreement, right? The internet was actually right. That Che is a piece of shit. Yes, hundred percent. Right? I, I, I don't necessarily necessarily feel that way because I don't think don't know if the show feels that way. If that makes sense, like no, that's a part fine. Of me that but I, as a person, if I met Che in the street and saw the way that they behaved, I'd be like, "You're a piece of shit." What? The, what in particular? The whole. Okay, firstly, they're moving to California. They don't tell Miranda. They don't have a conversation with Miranda. Oh, yeah. Drags her to this venue, 
sits Miranda between their mum and grandma and just starts singing in a room full of people Miranda doesn't know and announces, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm moving across the country was awful. And then Mm. acting like this is something Che does a couple of times where they don't communicate at all their intentions or desires. Miranda states her own or an assumed desire, and Che goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, <laughs> yes, I was going to invite you, or it's just they, they yeah. do is it a it, lot and it uh, frustrates me. And how about giving uh, drugs to minors at funerals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, is God. there, maybe, I, I totally see that, you're saying it. Is there, because again, that could be the storyline. It's like, it's almost like in a, Power oh, dynamic, abusive power dynamics. Yeah. Where just remember another thing, Che being like, "Whoa, I assumed you were in an open marriage, yeah, yeah, yeah. though we never discussed that." Yeah, and I assume you, a woman in your fifties, have an open marriage with this man is more likely than you're probably just cheating on him. Bizarre. The that's yeah, <laughs> you're right, hundred percent right. Because all those instances, Che takes the high ground. They're like, yeah. I'm not the bad guy here. They've you never done up. anything wrong. Yeah, hundred percent. And that that is like absolutely a. It's like a gaslighting, right? It's yeah. like a mm. abusive power a relationship and abusive power. Che comes with all this like charisma and notoriety, and they're famous and all this sort of stuff. Miranda. This poor, ignorant white woman (laughs) who's in a a failing marriage just can't help but be fucking... It also annoyed me, like, yes, it was super weird that Miranda's, like, went to Che's house and was like, hey, I'm here, I thought we could hang out. And then they have a conversation about Miranda wanting to be Che's girlfriend and Che just being incredibly dismissive because obviously that's not really their vibe. They just like to hang out and see what happens. But Miranda is allowed to want that and not feel stupid mm-hmm. or outdated for wanting those things. Like that's still valid. And yes, she can explore other ways of how relationships function. But it just felt like, oh, you old white woman, you're an idiot. I was like, I don't know if that's the kind of person you want to be in a relationship with. I'm mm. not surprised we've come back around to Miranda stuff. I think I feel like it's going to happen <laughs> a few times. But the yeah. it, is there on any level, did you like feel this relationship did you feel like nope the, the, was they it have chemistry? no chemistry yeah zero that was, chemistry that's the other thing too it's like this is how how are you meant to be like rooting for miranda when you don't feel this relationship is it all authentic that there's anything there it's just impossible and especially when you go back to steve and he's so loving and <laughs> like <laughs> you know immediately after the 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 episode where they're like painting the children's home or whatever. Yeah. And he's the just woman's being shelter. So, yeah, he's just being so like caring. I wanted and he knows caring how to fix Steve a to get at that stage, by the way. Like, <laughs> Me too. I was like, is Steve and Carrie going to be a thing? Please. I hope so. Please. Mm. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. And are we supposed to have felt like the fact that he's going deaf is like an unattractive. Uh, it's like so trait? insulting. It's so, yeah, he's just like now he's just an old man who sits on the couch, has grey hair, walks around with celery sticks at a market, being all frazzled, and also he's deaf now. Gross. Yeah, it's super <laughs> insulting. Fucking, I do not like this show. And apparently, uh, <laughs> they actually wrote in him being deaf is because in real life he's going deaf. And so, so he, he wanted to this put This is it in a the great show. example a great- of the show taking real things and then like being super insulting to the characters. Yes. Great, that yeah. character is deaf, awesome. Not a detriment. 
Also, Willie died, but he's like, oh, no, bye, Carrie. Your husband's just died, but I'm going to fuck off to Japan. I was like, oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, boy. Why, why did they make him the villain? Like, I don't know. Oh, sorry, we're talking about Stanford. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why did they make Stanford like a piece of shit? Like he would have never done that. Never, ever in a hundred million years would he have done that. Yeah. I felt, I guess they were stuck in a situation. I, I, I'm guessing here, and Paul, I'm sure you can confirm, this was because they had to move around the fact that the actor died, yeah? Yes. So the situation where all the stuff they had built up that there was drama between him and his husband and they were maybe getting a divorce, and so I guess you have to sort of like bounce off that because it's pre-established and that's Mm. all you have. Mm. But yeah, it doesn't... But wouldn't it make more sense to be like, oh no, he found out his husband cheated with, say... You know, go back, film a scene where what's what's his husband's Anthony. name? Anthony. Anthony. You know, states that they don't have an open marriage at that stage. It's established that Stanford finds out he's been cheated on. He's really upset. He's so sorry that he has to leave Carrie, but he just has to get out of the city for a while. The answer Fine. being, they needed Anthony to become the new gay best friend. Mm. Like, and, and they I have to fucking say, crowbarred him in in some awful ways. But I have to say, like, probably. Most of the times I genuinely laughed in this show were him. Like, the, I thought he had some of the funniest moments in the my show. My highlight does involve one little moment with him that actually I, I was shocked that it made me giggle a little bit. Yes, was it that's when true. He, when he brought the anti-Semitic guy to <laughs> 100%. Yeah. That was so, the moment. So, <laughs> the timing you, of it was yeah. so good. But again, going back to what I was saying in my uh, review about the amount of hate heaped on this show Mm. that episode aired on like jewish remembrance day so Uh. then all these people were like how dare the show put this joke in on this day of all days i'm like it's not like it it was denouncing the (laughs) anti-semitism yeah Yeah, that seems like a, a bit of a stretch but um we briefly mentioned earlier um, the painting at the the women's shelter, mm-hmm. uh, and before they go to the women's shelter, um, Carrie's like, oh, "I don't want to do that. Can I write a check?" And Miranda's like, "You can't be the white woman that writes a check." And um, Jen Kirkman, who's a comedian, um, and I follow her on Twitter. She would do like these drunken recaps of the episode, <laughs> and she made a great. really great point. She's like, you know. The one thing women's shelters don't need are a bunch of, you know, rich white women painting the shelters. What they do need is fucking money. <laughs> yes, please, write a check. Absolutely. Um, what about just the Samantha of it all and how it was handled? I thought the way the whole thing was brought up in the in the pilot to be really clunky and weird. Like within yeah. the first 10 seconds, we're going to have the most awkward explanation of what happened there. But... As that went on, I actually thought it was quite well handled with the text messages and the, as you said in your review, Damask, like even just written, you could sense the Samantha Jones behind it or you could mm. hear Kim Cattrall um, even saying those lines and it worked quite effectively. Um, do we... I've got a theory that they are, if they are going to bring it back for a second season, they are trying to 
She's reverse never a dump back. truck and of no, money. I Sarah know, Jessica I know. has said expressly she doesn't want her back. Now, yeah. her it's saying never that. Gonna oh, it's never okay, going to okay, happen. Okay. Like, they hate yeah. each other. It's I'm just thinking, like, yeah. HBO only has to also give some extra money to Sarah Jessica Parker. All I'm saying is the no. show would be so much fucking better, and it's obvious that we'd be better if Samantha was in it. And we all kind know of, this. That's it's, why it's so tragic. That's why it's just the show is, like, dead on arrival and to, on some, to mm. some degree because even without her, her presence or her, yeah, her presence is felt, is missing so much. They can't even escape it within the show. They can't move on. And every attempt they do, whether it's Stanford or Anthony or any other new best friend that's being brought in to replace her, doesn't quite live up to it. Did you, what do we think of um, Seema, uh, Carrie's new real estate best friend? Out of all the token friends, she was the best one. Agreed. Well, she was the one yeah. that had a fucking personality and, yes. and like a point of view. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I actually was like, this would make sense if we're, if this is the new fourth member. Mm. I yeah. can see this one working. And it I, really, I really like the scene when um, her and Carrie have like, it's a new friendship, but they have a little tiff, you know, yes. and Seema's like, what you said to me was actually really offensive, which is very rarely said to Carrie and she's a fucking bitch a lot of the it time. It is rarely <laughs> said in this show. That's the problem. Yeah. 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 When people act terribly, it's so rarely said. Mm-hmm. I think the show would have been so much stronger if they cut um, Charlotte and Miranda's new friends mm-hmm. and just had yeah. uh, Carrie's new friend and really gave her a lot to do and yeah. really yeah. made her feel like part of the group mm-hmm. and gave her interactions with all of them and gave her storylines. And I think lines. she could have worked. I really do think she could have worked quite well. Because she's a, a fantastic actress. Yeah, yeah. she's really good. Yeah, she yes. brings a really great energy that's sort of like, I suppose, without knowing the show, Samantha-esque, but definitely completely her own at the same mm-hmm. time. Like just yeah. adds that element or, or humour or whatever to it, sexuality even, which was sort of mm. missing from a show mm. that was based off Sex and the City, just bring something that the, I think, yeah, was missing otherwise. Did, well, it's funny you say that about the other friends. Naya, uh, mm. Miranda's um, professor, she kind of had her storyline, sort of. Like they'd even have mm. scenes together with her and her husband talking about like whether they're going to have kids or not. They just felt so disconnected from everything yeah. else, though. Uh, the word again is token. It's it just felt like, it yeah. felt like I had accidentally like pressed my remote and was putting on another show, Something and then else, yeah. and then I accidentally put it back to the to the original show. That it mm. never felt organic. I, I was I was gonna say like I don't think you can criticize the performances of anyone in this show. I think uh, I think you could criticize performance of um, Miranda's actress. Her name. Um, Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon. I, it, is it script or performance? It though? can be both. I think it's both. I just it, it what the the dialogue was terrible, but you could you could make something of her that made her seem authentic. Or again, unless, sorry, do you mean Miranda or Naya? Miranda. So, uh, you no, know, Cynthia, Cynthia Nixon. Nixon is an incredible actress. I thought she was awful. Really, as really, Miranda. really good. The way they've written. So, but we have the scenes that she can really nail, which is usually there were when she's good scenes. yeah. But yeah, uh, the writing in terms of her relationship with Naya, particularly, um, really bad, really tough. And with Che. And with Che, mm. yeah, absolutely. Which is so much of her stuff. <laughs> it was realistically the best scene, I think, was the one you mentioned in your review, or one of the ones you mentioned in your review, Damas, which is the one between Carrie and Miranda. After mm-hmm. Miranda's like, I fucking urinated out of my bed because you were having sex in the kitchen and you were drunk mm-hmm. and stoned. And mm-hmm. like, that there was. 
an actual like um, moment of vulnerability there that I felt from a character that was otherwise just making me hate mm. her the entire time. Another mm. great scene between Carrie and Miranda was, I think it's at the they mitzvah um, mm-hmm. and they're in the toilet and Carrie is saying like, you know, I'm not trying to judge you, but like the fact that you're just like, getting up and leaving with this person, that just, that's really shocking to me. Miranda's like, you know, am I not allowed to change? Like, that was a really great scene. And then they do this thing, yeah, which say, how fucking this ended an- was awful. annoyed me, where they interrupt this really compelling scene between two friends who have so much history. And this scene actually echoes something from the uh, past series as well. It's really interesting how that dynamic has flipped. Um, with this cartoon character of a rabbi that was so obnoxious. Yeah. I was just, and people love that character. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, just get this cartoon character out of this beautifully I, I acted I understand scene. that people felt like represented with that character. Like the idea of a trans rabbi and all those sorts of things, you know, did have a personality. Yeah, it's got nothing to but- do with that. It was just like, now, now but- you're going to come out and just like, lecture these people in a really like <laughs> that it was the car- it was the cartoon nature of the scene and how it resolved yeah. yes it's that's the problem it was like it was mm. a good scene until they decided that this was an appropriate way to resolve this yeah. thing it was just it's again so ill-conceived and ill-informed and like what was the thinking there that we get the trans rabbi to come in and interrupt this to have that piece what are we mm-hmm. saying about our main characters what are we saying about trans people in this, why are we why are we choosing to do that? Beyond, sh- look at us, we have a trans rabbi who is solving this problem for our characters, and it's just, it's just so yuck. Everything about <laughs> is yuck. Oh, I've got another complaint. Yes. <laughs> um, Let's when not stop Miranda now. is like being so insensitive to Carrie, who now believes in heaven because her husband has died, what the fuck? and Miranda's like, "What are you?" An- Idiot! Like it's so rude. I'm pretty sure that was the bit where I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with you, Miranda? You're the worst person ever." She's so cruel. Miranda sucks. I fucking hate her. Is why I wrote down at that moment. All caps. Yeah. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you guys have any side notes? I'll start with you, Paul. Uh, just want to shout out, we got our first penis in a TV episode of Sex and the City. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Which, uh, yeah, because yeah. we got we did get a, a penis in one of them. Yeah, we got a penis in one of the movies, um, which was much more featured than this penis. But um, it, I'm I'm glad. I, I saw a think piece the other day that penises are really getting a moment on TV right now. <laughs> oh, my God. There was one day where I saw three different penises and I was just yeah. like, that's well, too much for me as a lesbian. <laughs> well, if you watch an average episode of Euphoria, you at oh, least get so like much dick. You get five on average. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I ask a question? Yeah. Are are they real genitals or are they strap ons? Uh, in Euphoria, uh, it's a mix. I think. Okay. Um, like there was one. Uh, there was a guy that was uh, on a toilet in one of the. F- Yes, I remember that one. And he did like a a TikTok to announce the fact that he didn't use a prosthetic. So, (laughs) (laughs) good for him. Um, But uh, I, the one in this episode of Sex and of and just like that, sorry, um, seemed pretty realistic. But go on, yeah, and just like that, uh, seemed uh, pretty realistic to me. I'd be surprised if it was a prosthetic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Not an expert, but. Uh, so 
I guess that's my only side note. Oh, that was it. Okay. <laughs> um, I've pretty much said all mine except for one. Um, Miranda trying to like keep her marriage together by recreating the cheating scenario was just another cherry on top of like, fuck you, Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> I have a few because as I said, as the show went on, I just added more and more. Uh, I have questions first and foremost, most of them mm. relating to Carrie. Mm-hmm. Who was the woman who said she forgave Carrie at the funeral? She didn't seem to know. Was that something from the TV show? The woman yeah, that, I, I don't I know couldn't that remember person. that one. Yeah. I okay. couldn't remember it. Just a genuine mystery. Okay. Why <laughs> the fuck did Big have their landline written down on a piece of paper in his pocket? It was like, was it- I thought, I genuinely thought these were going to be mysteries that were like, would come to some sort of resolution or was it Carrie's landline for her old apartment maybe no because it was for the apartment she was in which was their big in yeah. her apartment oh it was their big one yeah oh. maybe it's just saying because he's so old he can't remember numbers <laughs> he's old okay uh, and <laughs> obviously the follow up was what was the picture with the bit of the dog I was so frustrated when she met up with Big's ex-wife I was like Ask about the fucking dog. Ask about the fucking dog. Maybe she knows and you'll understand what that was all about because surely you want resolution on that. She just forgot about it after that. Um, some observations. Weird the show doesn't have opening titles, I thought, because the original, they're so iconic mm, um, in Sex and the City. I thought it was, I know it's got a different, a slightly different energy and tone, but it was close enough. I was like, I mean, don't redo the opening titles or update them or anything like that, but do something other than... Mm. I Instead I, of the bus that she gets sprayed with, it's just like Big's hearse. That would have been a good Yeah, operation. I was going to say, the same same music, same outfit, and yeah. her walking through a cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> with that music. Yeah. <laughs> but like a really spooky version, like make yeah. it like <laughs> Monster Mash. <laughs> We should, yeah, we should pitch that. <laughs> um, well, I was going to talk about all the podcast stuff where we did that. There was a scene, and I, I'm guessing this was how they were trying to like maneuver away from the Stanford stuff. But there was a scene that opened an episode, I think it was episode five, where Miranda, sorry, where Carrie is looking at this apartment. It's this stark white apartment. It's really not her style at all. But Anthony's there trying to tell her this is the new you, and um, and like there, a what I just found distracting was a. It seemed like really fake. Like maybe the whole thing was on a green screen. It was actually a digital set or something. It just was really, really, really off-putting. But then like the way they were trying to turn Anthony into the new gay best friend, it just felt really forced and like written in a hurry and we have to write something and like we'll just make this work because we have to. And like I get it. You're trying to pivot quickly, but it just stood out as being like not of the standard of the rest of the show and not of a HBO standard really, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, (laughs) You know the bit where Charlotte's playing tennis with her husband oh my mm-hmm. god yeah and they have like the collision but she still wins the point and therefore they win the match whatever mm-hmm. you can't fucking do that in tennis you if you're being in a doubles match <laughs> a first and foremost if you're playing doubles one person is close to the net one person's at the baseline you don't fucking both stand at the baseline secondly the person that's being served to is the only person that can return serve. You can't cut across, Charlotte. You just lost the fucking point, you idiot. Anyway. Tell uh, tell me you're a straight person watching a Sex and the City reboot without telling me you're a straight yeah, person I was like, what? watching a Sex and the City reboot. Um, but also, like, <laughs> he deserves an apology. Yes, he does. He deserves, does. But not for that reason, Brod, you loser. No, no. He no, just, no. just simply, like... No, because that adds to the adds to so the argument. It's like you mean. can't do that. What the fuck were you doing, you idiot? <laughs> um, there's no way. There's a bit where Lily is like, 
Uh, she goes to the toilet and she leaves her phone behind and Charlotte looks at it and sees like the Instagram photo, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Lily storms off. And I was like, no teenager in the world would leave their fucking phone behind with their mum. No. Unlocked. 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 Yeah. I was just like, I, they have been trying to make this show realistic. <laughs> there is no fucking way she would leave. Yeah. Also, Though if my kid did that, I'd be like, oh, well, clearly she doesn't have anything to hide. Sweet. All right. <laughs> um, also, they then set up this whole thing that Lily wants to stay the night with Carrie mm. and then do nothing with it. Like, I know. I thought we were going to see some there. Wasn't there going to be a there? scene that of them, their sleepover or whatever? Instead, she just wakes up in the middle of the night because the neighbours are being noisy again or whatever. It was like... Lily being there was completely inconsequential. What a waste of time. Um, actually, sorry, Dem- Demas, mm. this is a storyline that I have zero like relevance in my own life to. How did you feel about the whole tampon storyline with mm. Lily? Mm. Okay, well, American tampons are quite different because they have applicators, which is because I guess... Americans are too afraid to touch their own vaginas. It's really weird. Um, so I have used one one with an applicator before. Um, it's, first of all, the way Charlotte was describing her how to put a tampon in was like it was a labyrinth in there. It doesn't make any sense. You stick it in, you just stick it in there. And I get like, it can be uncomfortable and weird. But there are only, you know, a very limited amount of places it can go. Really, um, and also, if my daughter was having that much distress about, like screaming like a crazy person, um, I'd be like, "Okay, just pads for you then. You, you're not ready yeah. to use a tampon. Pads for you. We don't need to be doing this. It shouldn't take that amount of time." But what really bothered me was like, "Okay, Lily, I get that you want to put a tampon in now, sweetie, but I've just finished dinner and we have guests arriving. We're probably going to wait till later tonight to do that." <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, it was. It was just. It was. For me, it was dumb. It was just overly dramatic. I guess in the way that Sex in the City can be, yeah. sometimes. Um, it was a bit of silliness, but no, that was not my experience or experience of many women I know. Because I didn't want to dismiss it outright. It mm. didn't feel genuine to me, but I didn't want to dismiss it outright. It could be a situation it was, where every I think it was woman was watching to be it. Absurd. Going, yes. Yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah. It was making fun of Charlotte for the most part, and that was. That was fine. Uh, the other, my last side note was simply that when I'm trying to figure out whether I'm meant to like these characters or not, it doesn't help when Carrie just dumps her fucking cigarette on the on the sidewalk. Take it inside. What the fuck is wrong with you, little bug? It gave me the shits. Uh, I get it, but as someone who used to smoke, I'm like, I get it. You're a bad person, Damascus. <laughs> what was? But your... they should have a little ashtray on that stoop, though. That's that's all I need. That's about. all it needs. Yeah. Even if you just put it out on the stoop on mm. your fucking property, don't dump it out into the middle of the fucking sidewalk like she that's, did. Yeah, that's fair. It's bad uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Think of the turtles. Uh, what were your guys' lowlights and highlights? Let's start with you, Paul. What was your lowlight of? And just like that, season one. Um, I think. My low light was definitely anything to do with Che Diaz and mm-hmm. specifically when we had to watch an entire one of their stand-up sets. Um, it was painful to watch because it wasn't funny at all. Mm-hmm. That's always that's always the problem with stand-up in shows though. Even shows that are centered around stand-up comedians. Uh, it's just it's it's a bar they can never reach consistently. Mm. Damascus, what was your low light? 
Um, only one. <laughs> you can give multiple. It's fine. Okay, so I've got, I've already mentioned Charlotte pestering black people, which is probably the <laughs> the most offensive part of the show. Which is you know there's a lot of them. Um, I wrote every scene of the podcast. I wrote Miranda and Jay's sex scene. The terribly directed <laughs> fantasy sequences between Miranda and Shay. It was directed by Cynthia Nixon. It was awful. Oh, it looked like, yes. Yeah. I forgot about that. Really Holy bad. Holy fucking shit. Really that was, bad. I was, I was a little bit drunk when I was watching that. It's the same yeah. episode, I think, <laughs> as the, um, uh, the, the apartment bit I was talking about at the start of it. And mm. I was just like... What the fuck happened, HBO? Where'd your money go? This looks awful. <laughs> yeah, it looked really bad. Um, I wrote the Eye of the Tiger tennis montage. I was like, is this meant to be funny? Yep, um, I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, so all, all of them. All, but the answer is all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, my low light was Miranda. What were your guys' highlights <laughs> starting with you, Paul? Um, I actually really liked the storyline where anthony forced carrie to come to the plastic surgeon appointment and that whole scene as um a gay man in his 30s of course i've got body issues and body dysmorphia issues so i found it very relatable i i could understand where she was coming from where she all of a sudden has these options of maybe doing something to herself and uh, grappling with that. And I thought it was a great storyline for someone of her age and demographic and kind of a meta commentary as well because, Mm. you know, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker has been criticised a lot for the fact that she hasn't had massive plastic surgery and has let herself age. She's been criticised for that. Yeah, like, you know. Humans are the worst. People have always, like, made fun of her for the way she looks, though. So now that it's that plus she's older, how Mm. dare she? Yeah. Yeah, so I – and I thought it was pretty brave of her to even put that in the show, that she executive produced herself and had a, you know, a say in the the storyline. So I I really love that that whole thing. And it also had Jonathan Groff and I could watch him yes, read the frame I book. thought that might have been. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen, there seems to be some discussion at the moment recently or studies perhaps being done that apparently people who get Botox become less empathetic. That because they can't contort their face into this idea of like emotional mimicry, right? And then when someone approaches you and they're sad, you actually mimic that facial expression yourself, which helps you to register what that person is feeling. And that if you can't actually contort your face and make emotions with your face, you have a harder time understanding how a person is feeling if they're angry or they're sad and those sorts of things. Um, I don't know about the validity of that, but it sounds fascinating. Yes, very interesting. (laughs) It's it's on the ABC, so it must be true. Um, (laughs) Damask, what's your low light? Highlight. 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 Um, For me, I think it was when Carrie sees who the flowers are from at Big's funeral. Mm. I don't know. It was just like that relationship was really important. Um, and to, I don't know, to see, and Sarah just gets performance of that and how meaningful that was. That that felt really beautiful to me. Yeah. Yeah. My highlight in a broad sense, I think, is this the Car- Carrie storyline. I do think the stuff, the Samantha test message stuff, the bumpy start where they had to explain what happened to Samantha aside was surprisingly potent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the the downside being then you just miss Kim Cattrall being in the show, I guess. Yeah, yeah you really I- felt like Carrie deep, like deeply missing her friend and what that would feel like. And yeah, I, I felt that. 
absolutely. Uh, but then, yes, I will also mention when Anthony brought the Holocaust denier to dinner at Charlotte's <laughs> was the one time I probably genuinely laughed. It, that was very funny. It was. It was just. It was just. It was the timing of it. Everything about mm. it was like <laughs> nailed it. Mm-hmm. Predictions, hopes, or concerns? Are we going to get? And just like that, season two. And if so, what do we think about that? I think we will get season two. I think so too. Yeah, Yeah, I I would dare say we're going to get it. And as I said at the beginning, I think there's there's definite opportunities that they could turn this ship around. I think surely they have seen the reception of Che and they'll break that shit up as quickly as they can um, and redeem Miranda in some way, hopefully. Um, I would love to see some more sex Back yeah. in the show, I would I like fair. some, yeah, like Carrie single, let her fuck a bunch of people. Like, mm. let's see what sex looks like for a single 50 year old woman in her 50s who's like, had a hip replacement, absolutely, yeah. which definitely wasn't because she was getting old, it was congenital hip deformity. That's why <laughs> she was born with it, everybody. I 100% agree with that. It's weird that a show that was sort of so provocative back in the day was because of its like showing sex and talking about sex constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an opportunity to do the same thing, but for women, you know, middle aged women, why the fuck didn't you do that? That was a complete. Waste of an opportunity. Yeah, it is strange for this show to be like, you know, we're championing the stories of older women, but we will make them sexless, except for Miranda, and that sex will make you uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. Uh, Damascus, what about you? Yeah, well, I think we'll definitely get a season two. I mean, I yeah, I hope that we can we can write the ship. I worry that um, the creator and writers are so self satisfied from mm-hmm. what I've read. That they mm-hmm. think they did a great job, and so we won't get that. That's I think that's my big concern. Is like I sort of see what you're saying in the potential. The fact that the Carrie storyline was relatively strong suggests that there is stuff that could be done here. It's just that the things that I'd want them to fix, I'm not sure how you fix them. Because especially if you're telling me there are, it's not just the original creators. There were new writers, and they mm-hmm. fucked it up too. It's like, well, who do you get in, and how do you? I don't know where you'd start. I just have no idea what the way to correct this is. It you it would it would take a you know, it can't just be a fucking seminar on like sensitivity or empathy or whatever it might be, understanding it's not gonna be show notes that fix this. There has to be a complete attitude change to what they're doing. I'm just not sure this show really is one. I think it's proved it can't evolve, if that makes mm. sense. I think that's exactly what this season showed. And so I don't hold out much hope for season two but happy to be wrong. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at B Gordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Where can people find you, Paul? Uh, the Swapcast podcast is on every social media besides TikTok, so just search us on any of them and we'll be there. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, thank you again for coming on to the show. We look forward to not having you on for Upload Season 2 and we'll find <laughs> something else in the future, I'm sure. Uh, what Do you know what you're reviewing next for the Swapcast? Yes, we are doing a... Thai language Netflix original that just came out this week called Ooh. AI Love You, which is about a um, artificial intelligence 
building that goes into the body of a man so that he can romance one of the tenants of the building. I mean, that's a good pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next episode, we'll be back on Hunting Seasons to discuss Peacemaker Season 1. We may have a guest for that that hasn't been lined up quite yet. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.